Hey, Peaches. Hi, Peaches. Welcome to Let's Talk Peaches, the podcast. We're your hosts, Nicole and Lindsay. Let's Talk Peaches is a community where all humans come to have raw, authentic, open, and respectful conversations about various topics. Nothing is off the table. All topics are welcome. Get ready to dive in and explore the uplifting as well as the extremely uncomfortable. Be sure to come back and check us out every week. We put out new episodes every Monday. If you're new, thank you so much for tuning in and welcome. And if you're a returning peach, thank you so much for tuning back in. We appreciate that so much. We appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate so much appreciation. All right, let's dive into the episode. Hey, peaches. Hi, peaches. Happy Monday. Another Monday, another, another, episode. Episode. another episode of Let's Talk Peaches. Happy to have you here. I hope you all are having a wonderful start to your week or just mm-hmm. week in general whenever mm-hmm. you're listening. Um, how's your week been, Lindsay? How's it going? It's been it's been busy mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure we mentioned before that our cousin and um her boyfriend have come to visit us and so i think it was wednesday they got their negative covid result which yay exciting so we rushed over to be with them and have been hanging out ever since which has been great and we've been trying to maximize on our time and they're also from california and still on a california timetable Mm-hmm. Uh, so they st- they're like staying up really late and we're night, owl- night owls to begin with so we're able to stay up with them really late but like once the 3 a.m marker hits i'm usually like tired yeah <laughs> we've also been like having wine and doing lots of things and i yesterday had to be like i'm not drinking <laughs> my body's done i don't i would say like we're usually we're usually i'll say we're usually like three times we, a week we dabble drinking. in we dabble in a good amount of drinking so we're not but we've been drinking amateurs kind of like every night <laughs> but yeah so it's been my i was like, we're feeling a little tired this yeah, week my, at the end here my energy is running low i'm feeling a little bit better because i took a break yesterday um but i'm overall really happy that they're here it's been nice to like hug someone that's not in the immediate family like oh. when i mean like my parents <laughs> for show, sure, for show. Sure. this was much needed this this gathering and this trip for yeah. sure really excited really, really nice. excited about it mm-hmm. um how about you nicole good good good. i mean all the same things uh but we did so lynn subscribed to a dance program mm-hmm. a dance like a virtual dance class mm-hmm. thing and skeezy steezy i think no. oh steezy s-t-e-e-z-y yeah not sponsored but i'm really excited we took one class they have heel dancing and um I, i'm, I'm just, sorry if you said that i don't no, I don't think I yeah. did, but I'm really excited to get back into the swing of dancing. We actually did one class and I, there was a moment where it went from me trying to memorize the, st- the steps to actually applying it to the music and like, like hitting the, hitting like the getting into it versus And I was like, oh, I missed this. I miss yeah. dancing. So yeah. I'm excited to get into that more and do that more often. Right. So that was really exciting for me, and I totally recommend. <laughs> it's if a you, really, it was really good because they also we did a choreography class. So they have choreography like where you learn a dance, mm-hmm. and they also have like classes classes where you learn some technique. So mm-hmm. we probably should have started with a technique, but I was like, let's just dive in. I was cool with it. I mean, even I. I I, ha- I had a lot of fun. I, like I said, I recommend for someone, if you used to dance and you miss it, it's just a nice way to... Or if you just want to try it. Yeah. I would say, like, we have zero muscle left over from that, except oh my from God. our whole dancing Oh, my thing. God. My legs, so can, there was a lot, it. there was a, there was a bit of, like, dropping, and it was a heel class, so think yeah, of... Yeah, zero so, muscle or technique so left you, over So you from drop, and you do a little butt days. wiggle down there, and you, and you get back up, and... There and was multiple, like... My legs were so squat sore. down, all the way down, and 
quickly yeah, yeah. pick yourself back up. My legs were totally sore. Well, we're very sore the next couple of days, but we're mm-hmm. coming we're coming back into yeah, the, like, I can walk up and down the stairs with with ease now. Mm-hmm. But that's it's I love feeling a little sore because, you know, it means you're working hard. Yeah. Anyways, Anyways. so this week we're so excited. We welcome to the Peach Stage Chell, and she is our wine expert, wine connoisseur, and mm-hmm. Lindsay used to work with her yeah. at her previous in her previous I, role in my old job we had a we had a segment called let's uh wine, wine o'clock, o'clock where chell would come in and she would pa- she would do these ridiculous pairings that we talk about in the episode but it was she's super fun and such a kind person um she has her own podcast so definitely be sure to check that out mm-hmm. and, and she has ha- her own blog like she's she's yeah really, she's, like, she's she, like a lifestyle and wine wine lady really interesting human yeah and she was and she answered we talk about how how wine is made how to store wine we go into the whole like the whole shenanigans yeah. of pairing and what right. that means and how she to also, do it and then she also tells us um if 2021 were a wine what would it be oh yeah for so, sure so so we cover it we all have a good talk we have a good talk i think it's just got, nice to kind of learn like we really like wine and mm-hmm. we know a little bit about it but we don't know so, much so it was nice to sort of sit down and talk and learn about all of the ins and outs of yeah also valentine's day is coming up um in like so, three yeah. weeks so, so yeah you gotta get your your wine wine things that you want to yeah. do um and she's also just super knowledgeable and has an answer she was just like she didn't even think about it she's just, she's like she's just there oh it. yeah that this yeah mm-hmm. yeah but anyways so we're super excited to share her with you and we'll uh we'll just we'll, we'll jump right in, in. Yeah. yeah all right peaches brb Okay, Peaches, we have Chell with us, our wine connoisseur. Hi, Chell. Hi. Thanks for having me. No. <gasps> Thank you so much Thank for you. coming to the Peach Pod. Yeah. We're I'm, so excited to have you. I'm so excited. And can I tell you a quick story? I love that your show is called um, Peaches, right? Because my last name is Petrus, and so my dad always used to call me Chelsea Peaches. And so Aww. it's like something I always remember. So I was like, oh, this is so cute. I love it. So, <laughs> we love it. A plus for the show name. I approve. <laughs> amazing okay i feel like the first thing we have to address is the fact that nicole and i are not drinking wine right now i'm not either if it makes you feel better (laughs) we have margaritas margaritas oh well you guys are way more fun than i am i am doing dry january which i do every year because i do work semi in the wine industry and overconsumption is like such an issue in the wine world that Mm -hmm. i really enjoy doing dry january and just like having a second reset a reset exactly I was actually mm-hmm. at a wedding with Lindsay last year where I was doing dry January and I that's right was drinking I virgin margaritas I was literally drinking lime juice and um and like a splash of orange juice and that's what my margarita was so that requires so much strength yeah it was hard we like to start off the podcast by asking what's up peach how you doing how's your week going and all of that jazz the week is going good. I mean, it's uh, Wednesday. It's nice wine Wednesday. Um, I'm actually mm-hmm. in Florida, too, at my parents' house. Ooh. So while it's not that warm down here, it's still warmer than being in New York City. So I'm down yeah. for it. Um, what is the temperature? Warm? Yeah, what's the temperature? Like 50, 60? 55-ish. So, okay. 
But I've been down here for so long that it actually feels kind of cold to me. I'm like, this is pretty chilly. Why is this happening? It's it's 34 degrees over here. <laughs> I will definitely take this over that. Um, but, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're in Florida. Wow, it must be like 80. I'm like, no, girl, it's like 50. And mm-hmm. I'm in North Florida, so it's not that glamorous. But mm-hmm. definitely still a nice break from being in New York. I could – we're – obviously, we're out of New York. And – um, I can't even imagine being stuck in our apartments now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm kind of dreading having to go back to that. I'm used to being in a house now, but I did spend those first like eight months of quarantine in a 700 square foot apartment with a human another human and two dogs and mm-hmm. 200 bottles of wine. So like you do the math, <laughs> you tell me what happened during quarantine. No okay, personal wait, space, d- lots of alcohol, lots of drinking. <laughs> Okay, wait, did I miss something? Did you get another dog? Yes, I have two now. I have Carl and Margot. Uh, We adopted Margot right before quarantine started, like mid-February. We brought her home, and then everything got locked down. Yeah. Is she another Boston Terrier? Yep. We got her from, like, a pretty shitty situation, and she was Mm. abused for, like, the first five months of her life, so she is much, much better now. She's living the best life. She's a sassy, like, dog. She's amazing. Love it. Adopting a pet is, I feel like, really, really rewarding. And Mm. I mean, we adopted our cat and I feel like there is, I feel like this is sad. I don't know if I should say it. But okay. So I was like, do you get a kitten or do you adopt again? Because like on one hand, it's so special. Like in the future or when we were getting Bailey? Both. I was like, it's so special because you give another animal a new home, but then you kind of have less time with them versus like if you get them as a kitten or a puppy. I know. so it's like, uh, it's but. hard, but can I tell you my, my life dream is to open up my own winery one day and it's going to be mm-hmm. called grapes and goats and I'll have goats and grapes and we'll have wine and you can have fresh goat cheese and it'll be great. But additionally, I want to go to the local shelter and adopt all of the old dogs and just let them mm-hmm. live out their lives in like a very nice place. Oh my God. So they can all just like chill and hang with the goats and have a good life um, while they live out their final days. So while sad, you still make an impact on the older animals. Yeah. No. So we. I love. I love that. That's an amazing. That's an amazing Amazing business plan. Mm -hmm. If Um, anybody wants to start bankrolling that, let me know now. Um, I'm I'm trying to open that in about 30 years. So just keep in touch, and we'll we'll we're here to help you and with with whatever you need, however way that we can. Do you know like? Do you have a location in mind, like a I have, state in mind? I have no clue. It would probably end up being in like upstate New York, like an easy one-hour drive for people outside of the city, you know, just something to that. come and do. Because um, I am a New Yorker. I'm from upstate New York originally, like way upstate. So um, it would be fun. And I think I could get like a rundown winery for the cheap and just yeah. revamp oh, yeah. it and make it into my own. Could never mm-hmm. do it in Napa. I don't have like a million dollars to buy one plot of land, but not I'm, yet. Not yet. Does, that's right. I like Nicole's <laughs> energy. Not yet. You don't have a million dollars to yeah. buy that. We're gonna manifest the shit out of that. Done. Done. Okay. Let's dive in. Um, <laughs> so, can you give us a little roll through about like your experience and what you do, who mm-hmm. you are, for the listeners? Listeners who, who don't know, know. Shell. Yes. Yeah, so. By I'm, I'm I'm twofold here. By day, I'm actually a cybersecurity analyst, and that's what I call my pay the bills job. It is mm-hmm. my job I went to college for. It's you know literally pays my bills. Living in New York is expensive, as you know. And sure. then my fun job is my wine job. And actually, coming up next month will be five years. I've been running a blog and an Instagram account called Chell Loves Wine. 
and I've had amazing opportunities through that. I got introduced to Lindsay. She was my producer on a couple segments for a show we did called It's Wine O'Clock, and <laughs> I've just really um, helped doing education in a sense. I've been educating myself along with educating people who also want to learn about wine. It's one of the most intimidating liquids in the world because there's such mm -hmm. this snobbiness around it and this, these mm -hmm. um, you know, misconceptions that if you don't know about wine, then you're stupid and you can't be in this world. And that's not the case. And I really hated that. So I've been teaching myself along with teaching my readers, if you will, um, about wine for the last five years. That's been a lot of fun. How did you teach yourself? Was it like YouTube tutorials or super like self-taught going to a wine bar, trying a wine, being like, okay, what does this taste like? Okay. Now this is a grape I've never heard of. Where does this grape come from? And then going through programs like the wine and spirit education trust, which is called the WSET. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like being a sommelier without the service aspect of like serving someone in a restaurant. So I started doing that. I did level two and level three and, uh, you know, just taking all these courses and talking to people who know about wine. And, you know, most people in wine are good. Most people don't want to be assholes about it. Most people want to welcome <laughs> you with open arms and say, you have a question about Chardonnay, please ask. It. I would love to help you. And so mm -hmm. just finding people like that who are willing to educate me um, and then I could educate others. I would also like to say, in addition, like, I feel like we grazed over your wine o'clock <laughs> moment if chell is if you've ever been on a jet blue flight chell is the girl from the jet blue flights like that's I tasting am. that's like pairing wine with these ridiculous items like i remember i think what we did was chili cheese fries cinnamon buns and i can't remember what i think we did was. box mac and cheese and weren't you an anti-box <laughs> mac and cheese person was that you who was like i don't eat blue box mac and cheese no, no. That, that must not. That was probably you. Amy. Yeah. Oh, it was definitely Amy. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the Lynn's third not was. above that. Yes. No, no. I, I love myself some mac and cheese. Same, same. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was actually talking about that not too long ago because in a weird turn of events, I went to a wedding a couple years ago and met a woman named Bailey because she was a <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Bailey was the girlfriend at the time of a guy who was in the wedding party of this wedding I was attending, and my boyfriend, mm. my fiance, was also in the wedding party and then she hit me up a couple months later and was like hey I work for this company and we're putting together like this very irreverent um, little clip of like pairing really fancy wines with really shitty foods so I think our first thing was like <laughs> leftover Chinese food cheese puffs yes. and fried chicken like those were our dishes that we did and I dressed up so in baby. gowns and I paired them <laughs> with wine and so it was this very little fun clip um and throughout the almost two years of doing it, I able to have Lindsay as a producer. I ended up with um, our friend Amy being my producer as well. And mm -hmm. somehow they ended up on JetBlue. So if you're ever <laughs> trying JetBlue, make sure you stay on the ads channel where they pump all that different shit to you because then you will see this face. And they're yes. fun little like two to three minute videos to watch. They are. I, we really, the three of us between Bailey, myself, and Amy – we really like tested your pairing skills. Yeah, I think we did like 70 episodes or something. It was a lot of different things that we did. A lot of weird foods to pair wine with. Like oh you wouldn't God. think like leftover Chinese food. I love Bailey. She always she's just a creative fiend and everything that she everything that comes out of her is 
like you're like whoa <laughs> literally though you th- you look at her sometimes and you're like how did you come up with this idea or like how did this happen but we did everything from like cheese puffs and leftover Chinese food to Big Macs to a steak um to birthday cake and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. hot fudge sundaes like we did a lot of different stuff to pair wine with because you can pair wine with almost anything there are some weird things that make it a little bit more difficult but it was fun and it was a challenge for me as well to come up with these pairings and test myself yeah to say, does this work doesn't it work and then the most uh, you know making my hands sweat part was when all the cameras cut and then the, the crew starts trying my pairing <laughs> and I'm like oh shit is it good is it not good is did it you, really good though yeah do you trust me what did I give you the wrong information um oh, so we trust you it was like you were putting it to the test right in front of my eyes and I was like oh shit so um thankfully everybody likes different things so I would just use that as my default like oh you don't like it everyone likes different things totally makes sense but I I mean but like to an extent that's true Mm -hmm. everyone's taste buds are a little bit different but um but I in my experience we really only did one session together but like with my experience it was really great everything that you had was solid good I like that that's what I like to hear and it is true though everyone (laughs) everyone likes different things and when it comes to wine everything's really subjective because I could give you the general rules of wine pairing xyz goes with xyz and you might not like it and that's because all of our taste buds are different and we all prefer different things we all taste different things when we're tasting wine and smell different things so Mm -hmm. there it's all subjective if you say you smell apples and I only smell pears like that's it's fine we all do different things we all smell different things so that is the cool thing yeah and I mean if you look at cilantro that's like a DNA thing where it's like someone tastes cilantro and they taste Mm -hmm. cilantro and then the other person tastes soap Soap. so it's just like you know DNA genetics taste buds they're finicky sometimes it Mm -hmm. is it's a really insane kind of thing I actually I'm going on a little tangent but I did a fun DNA test for a company called Venome. I don't think they're around anymore, but they would do your taste buds to tell you what kind of wine you would actually like. And they ran through a bunch of different things. And one of the things was, do you have the gene that you would like cilantro or you wouldn't like cilantro? And mine was that I like cilantro. And while I don't particularly care for the taste of it, I don't get that soapy taste that some people Mm -hmm. get when they try it, but it does come down to genetics. And apparently the type of wine you like also can come down to genetics. What? It was it's a crazy. bummer. It's a bummer if they're still not around because I would subscribe. I would to totally that. subscribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It was cool. Um, I think that was one of the first ever partnerships I had when I started Chell Loves Wine was with Venom, and it was pretty cool. I get it. Okay, Genome, so Venom. so backtracking a little bit from pairing and all of this and tasting, how is wine made? So, <laughs> in the long and short, so it can get pretty complicated, but I'm going to give you the really quick, easy rundown. So, Love the it. easiest way is that grapes are grown, right? And the grapes have sunshine, and they have water, and they have oxygen, and they have all the things that they need to to grow. And in the wine and the grapes, sugar develops. And so, what happens is the grapes get picked, they go into the the winery and they all get crushed and the juice comes out and all the sugars and all of that good stuff. If we're making white wine, we just take the juice. If we're taking red wine, we leave the skins and the juice together because the skin has all of the color in it and it gives all that color to red wine. Um, but basically what happens is you add yeast to that juice and the yeast eats the sugar. Sugar is yeast's food. And so the yeast eats up all the sugar and it converts it into alcohol. So that is the kind of the process that happens. And then you end up with wine. There are so many little nuanced things that happen in that process. Like 
for making white wine, we only use the juice of the white grapes and then we do the fermentation process and you can use commercial yeast and natural yeast. And, you know, there's so many variations, which makes winemaking really, really fun and interesting. Um, but that's the long and short of it. The, the natural sugars in the grapes get eaten by the yeast and it turns it into alcohol. And then you have a fermented uh, grape juice product, which we call wine. Have wow. you have you ever like done a DIY wine moment in your on your I, own? A good question. I did once. It was like one of those at home kits that you could do it where you like make it. And I lived in Astoria at the time in a tiny little like cockroach filled apartment on the third floor in Astoria. <laughs> Classic. And, yeah, we've right, all been there. Yeah, right. <laughs> we've and all been there. My kitchen was so hot because they kept the the radiators on like all year. So it was always a million degrees. And so the wine did not turn out good, but it was like you made it in a jug and they gave you the packets to add the different things. And it just is, it was not good. Um, (laughs) I'm going to blame it on the heat fluctuation I had in the kitchen and the situation I was in. But I Mm. do think some people have done it at home. And while if you do want to do it at home, I don't think it's a great wine to drink, but I think it's a really fun experiment to see how the winemaking process works. If you want to learn on a like hands-on level, you can't make it to a winery or you can't work a harvest. Like this is a good way mm-hmm. to kind of experiment and see how it happens um, on a smaller uh, level. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. Well, they say I, I, I've, really I've known a lot of people kit. who I know when we went to college, there was these guys who were trying to make their it wasn't wine, but it they were beer. trying to make their own. Some sort of alcohol. It was beer. And then I know a lot of friends who try to make their own kombucha, which I feel like is kind of not too far. Do you remember Charles from Charles from Gallery? Yeah. He made his own wine. He never brought it in, but he did make it. And he said he said that it was really good. Like, Some people do. Wine. I've worked with a ton of people that actually have like legitimate wine setups in their basements and have all the appropriate equipment to make small batches of wine. So it's definitely doable mm-hmm. at home if you want to commit and be able to um, do that. For sure, process. Yeah. But you can definitely brew your own beer at home. My mom used to make kombucha at home as well. Um, you can You can definitely make beverages at home. They just probably won't taste as you're used to them tasting they could taste better they could taste worse i would definitely recommend buying your wine um unless you have a legit setup like temperature controlled all the good stuff yeah yeah could be a good science the kids kids, like our friends from college they were really crafty and they used a condom to make their beer like they put it like you're because you're supposed to let it ferment so they put the condom over the the beer and then when it filled up they knew knew that it was was done yeah that is done that's definitely like um, I think they do that in like prison too if they're making hooch like they can like do it that way as well. Crafty, creative Any- problem solving. Anyways, <laughs> what do you love most about wine? I think I mean I always say it's kind of like a wine nerd thing to say, but wine's kind of like a living beverage, and it's weird. So if you have a bottle of red wine and you pour it into a glass and you drink it over the course of an hour, like the wine changes and evolves and becomes different and mm. tastes different, and that's because it has contact with oxygen. So I just think it's really cool how it can evolve, and it's so much more than just that first sip that you have. And I also really love the concept of you have a glass of wine say we're in Spain and we have a glass of wine and it's like the most perfect day and we have that glass of Rioja right and it's delicious Mm -hmm. and then we drink that that glass of wine five years later and we get transported back to that exact moment we were in Spain Mm -hmm. sitting under the sun Mm -hmm. and drinking this wine with friends um so the ability for a beverage to be able to transport you to a different time in your life is I think something so magical and I think something wine can really only give you 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I get goosebumps thinking about it. Like I could tell you multiple times, like I was sipping on this one wine on the top of a mountain in France and like I can take a sip of that and I'm immediately transported back there. And I think that's maybe why I drank so much during quarantine too. I needed to get <laughs> transported to other places. Transport. I needed to go other places. And I yeah. think that wine kind of helped me do that. Yeah. I love that. Can you walk us through a little bit of the aging and oxidization? Of- wait, wait, wait. Before we before we do that, uh huh. What's your favorite thing about wine? I mean, we're, that was we're so big poetic. wine drinkers. We are big wine. drinkers. I would drinkers. say it's almost. I would say it's the the biggest form of alcohol we drink. I remember when we were in college and someone said that our identifier was like, oh, those girls. Oh my god! Have wait, Chell. When I saw you had a partnership with Francia, I know. <laughs> I died. I was like, yes. Yes. Well, I, I was such actually a soft spot. My my blog and my Instagram is called Chell Loves Wine. Very straight to the mm-hmm. point. Um, but I was actually the girl in college with a box of Franzia or like the jug of Carlo Rossi. That's what I showed yeah. up to parties with. And so I got the nickname Chell Loves Wine. And so I kind of ran with it as my brand once I graduated. And I this year I actually got to work with Franzia on a partnership. It was awesome. Like I <laughs> It was like a dream come true. I was like, this is something that I have been drinking forever. And it's a, a brand that I really like got me into wine to start out with. And while some people were like, oh, you know, Chelsea's working with Franzia. Like what a sellout. I was like, you don't understand what this wine no. is to me. It was the wine that <laughs> got me into drinking wine in the first place. And it was a really fun partnership. And I actually worked with Emily to do my video editing for the videos. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, but also same. That's that yeah. was that's the first that was our first like very big. It's what you wine can uh, it's like it's it's good and it's not that expensive and it's like I, I, I mean like from a like college the, standpoint, like you're Costco. like, oh, fifteen dollars for Costco a box for and it'll like, last me this long. It's so much wine <laughs> for a you buy in bulk. Mm-hmm. And it's but great else- because they they last longer too. They have a really, I mean, it's an ingenious. It's in a, a vacuum sealed bag inside, and as the wine comes out, the bag sucks itself closed so that no oxygen can come in contact with the wine. Because wine oxygen is what kills wine. It benefits it for a certain period of time, like hours, mm. and then it starts to kill the wine. And that's what that oxidation is, and all of that kind of stuff is the wine can only deal with so much oxygen. And in red wines, it turns it into vinegar. And in white wines, it starts giving it like these different notes. It deepens the color. Um, You can kind of tell some people do enjoy a little oxidative note in white wines. In red wines, though, really makes it vinegary. um, And you can just tell it's like, I don't want to drink this. That's really interesting. And I hope our dad is watching right now because there was listening, watching, whoops, (laughs) listening. (laughs) whenever but we had a new year's eve party here forever ago and we bought a ton of boxed wine like franzia boxed wine the following weekend like the first weekend of january he dumped all of he dumped all the wine we were like where's we had so much like leftover boxed wine where's all the wine he's like oh i dumped it he's like it goes bad we're like not for so long what are you doing what are you like he's got like two months in it yeah I was like, you just wasted so much money. Well, make sure dad buys you another one. Okay. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I, think he's made up for it. I feel like he's made up he's for made it. He's made up for it during then. quarantine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Yeah. Time. <laughs> that's what I like now. now I'm coming over there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, for sure. Franzia was definitely our go-to box wine in mm-hmm. in college. And I feel like it's my go-to box wine now. And and I don't know. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I filtering back to like what do I love most about wine I don't know Mm. I think I definitely think that 
Chell's answer is definitely speaks true for me too. And yeah. it's like, I, I don't know. I think it's just sort of that thing that you can always go to. And it's yeah. like, it's just, I just feel so classy drinking it. And I think mm-hmm. I have, I've had a lot of like wonderful chats with a wine glass in hand mm-hmm. and I don't know. It's yeah. part of like a, a lifestyle kind of, it's just like, yeah. I mean, when I have a glass of wine, I do, I feel classier. I feel like, you know, I'm just like, oh, I have a glass of wine. Like, oh, and I could tell you about this wine because I also know <laughs> about it. You know, it's just like, and I think it goes back to that whole thing. Like, oh, if you know about wine, you must have a lot of money and you must be really cool and you must like know all of these things and I think when you hold the glass of wine you kind of embody that um I am trying to work against that like I don't want people to feel like they have to know all those things to drink a glass of wine or enjoy a glass of wine but if you if having a glass of wine makes you at least feel like that like you feel like a badass and empowered like then <laughs> I'll do it up yeah for oh sure. yeah mm-hmm what would you say you love most about wine as we're going around the circle? I mean, like, I would agree. First of all, I, I love the taste. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I am ai love myself a tart red wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I specifically feel like my utmost self when I'm drinking out of a, like, <laughs> an angles glass. Like, mm-hmm. you know those wine glasses that have an angle? Yep. I don't know why, but it just feels like I'm holding myself in a wine glass. That's me in a wine glass. And then, like... I think, like, apothic, dark apothic is really, I feel like it's me in a wine, or the bourbon, the barrel, like, the, the bourbon, bur- aged in a bourbon, bourbon yeah, barrel. Yeah, like, the, the red wine that's aged in the bourbon barrels. Yep. That's something that's becoming a little bit more popular for people to do, is that crossover between the bourbon industry and the wine industry. I want that in my angled wine glass, and I feel like that's me singing. Hi, I am Lindsay, and here is my aesthetically pleasing wine glass with my red wine inside. Exactly. Does the type of glass that you put your wine in affect the taste at all? It definitely does. It's so funny you asked that. I just wrote a 1,500-word uh, blog post on wine glass shapes. Um, oh, whoop, whoop. So that'll be out soon on a, com- on a blog called In Good Taste. It's actually a wine company that I host tastings for, and they have, like, mini size bottles. It's very cute. Uh, but, yeah, the wine glass definitely does affect your your tasting experience, if you will. There are red wine glasses for full-bodied red wines like Bordeaux and Cabernet Sauvignons and Syrahs. And then you have red wine glasses for wines in the middle, like a Cab Franc or a Stangiovese. And then you have lighter-bodied ones. And same goes for white wine. You have white wine glasses that have a little bit of longer stem because we don't want to warm the wine up with our hands. And they have ones that are you know, it's it's crazy. There's so many different sparkling wine glasses options, dessert wines. Um, but my recommendation always is if you're like, I want to get a good set of wine glasses, but I'm really overwhelmed because I drink a bunch of different wine and I don't want to spend money on all of these different niche glasses is what's called a universal glass. And it's going to be something you can drink everything out of red, white, sparkling dessert whatever you want to out of them and you can get those I definitely recommend glasses that are a little bit thinner uh and you know weight because it's like a textural thing when you have a really thick glass like you're focusing on the thickness of the glass when you taste instead of the wine so the thinner the glass it kind of like amps up the experience and also makes you feel like a baddie that you're drinking out of a glass that you could like shatter in a second and you're like this glass was also like $50. I could break it in one second, but I'm going to sip my fancy ass wine out of it. On average, how many wine glasses do you break? I'm, I've am i gotten better, but I would say um, I maybe break like 
five to eight a year. Oh, a that's, year? Yeah. That's not too that's bad. That's not bad at that's all. Not too bad. No. That's and amazing. I've gotten better. And they're usually by accident. Um, usually my yeah. dog does something to lead to one breaking or sometimes <laughs> it's like something clumsy I've done. But I try to be really careful and I only break out like my really fancy glasses that are like $70 a glass for – an occasional photo or like a really fancy yeah. thing I'm doing with wines that are really pricey, you know, something where I just want the whole experience to feel very bougie. So those other guys stay in a box on the top shelf. And then we drink out of like crate and barrel glasses that cost four bucks a glass. Um, and I feel less bad about breaking them, but crate and barrel <laughs> yeah. don't sleep on them. They have great quality glasses that mm. are really affordable. If you're looking to start a wine collection. Ayo. Yeah. Uh, I think we break, between especially like being home we break we've broken a lot we've broken a lot but you know what the thing is uh so we we have our main house and then we have a lake house and the lake house doesn't have a dishwasher and a lot of wine glasses have gone in the process of washing them because some of them have like more of a fragile they're more fragile so if you're like really like trying to scrub or someone it you're like stacking them in the dry area and then Mm -hmm. it's just like yeah shit happens I've I've lost many of good glasses to that as well um it's it's hard if you do have really thin delicate (laughs) glasses they do recommend putting them in the dishwasher because that's the easiest way to make sure you don't break them and they still get clean but you could always just like gently wash them or like dunk them in some really hot water to try to like sanitize them um but it Mm -hmm. it is hard you gotta be delicate you can cut your hands you can break glasses I think, was that the time did you did you was that the so Lynn was washing her hands this is what at our New York apartment oh, and I think you had broken one of our wine glasses and I you did, were like and I mm, band-aid like, well, <laughs> need a band-aid yeah I don't think I don't think I have the scar anymore but I was like washing a glass and it wasn't even like one of our favorite glasses no thank god I was washing a glass and I broke it while I was washing it because we didn't have a dishwasher lol New York City apartments right. um <laughs> We were, like, early in our career. We didn't have that much money yet, so no dishwasher. And um, I, I, like, needed – I was, like, do I need stitches? I don't think so. <laughs> but I recently – fine. It was all good. But even, like, if recently, uh, our cousin's, like, visiting us, and her boyfriend is here as well, and he was – they were quarantining here in this house. Um, and while they were quarantining, they were, they were tr- drinking some wine, I guess – and they used like one of my favorite wine glasses with, with the, the angle. angle and it was the last red wine angled glass i had every all of the others had been broken and um we got a text saying like hey, hey maddie or m a t t y m a t the boyfriend yeah the boy she's like hey like, like a wine- we broke a wine glass i'm so sorry and i was like oh my god stings oh my god it was did it the have one an, did it have an angle because we have a bunch of like red wine glasses i was like did it have an angle and she said yeah, yeah. and i was like Whew. okay okay because i'm and i'm not like typically a materialistic person but for some reason it took me so long to find like the correct angle like the perfect wine glass i feel you and i was like I found a beautiful glass when I first moved to New York. And again, I didn't have a lot of money. I found them on clearance at Pier 1. Yeah. And I they Same. were beautiful. They were like Slovakian crystal and they had all this etching in them. And they were 
gorgeous. And then I was drinking wine with my cousin Daniel and we were really drunk and he got tangled up in a blanket and the glass went flying across my apartment and it shattered. And I still don't live, let him live it down to this day. It's almost been seven years and we still, we still talk about it. I say, you remember that glass you broke? I only have one left and I don't let him touch it because I could only afford two at the time and he shattered one. Thank God. Yeah. Like, I'm glad I'm glad that you relate. Because first of all, like, same. It was from Pure One. And I got and it now on a they're Black going out of business. And they're coming on a bit, going out of business. And it was on, I got it on a Black Friday sale, which is, like, part of the reason why I can only afford so many. <laughs> um, so I'm glad. I'm glad we showed that. I feel you. <laughs> you can have an emotional attachment to a wine glass. Yeah. Sometimes they just drink nice and it just works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and we, I know we kind of, like, talked about this with the oxidation and whatnot but like does wine ever go bad and like can we go into that more in more detail yes so wine definitely can go bad it can go bad in multiple different places so it can actually be bad on the shelf a lot of wines we want to consume young some wines are meant to age and you're like how do I know the difference I'm at a wine store how do I tell these things and the sad truth is that you really don't know because in the wine industry, we depend a lot on the consumer to do the work and, the, and get the education before they come into the wine shop to buy the wine. There's very little that you're going to find on a wine bottle that says, oh, you should age this for 10 years and it'll be really good. Or you should drink this now. We depend on you to know that before you come. And so a little easy thing to do is a lot of white wines and a lot of rosés are meant to be consumed young. So those are bottles of wine that you want to drink. You want to buy them and you want to drink them that weekend. If you hold on to them and say you found a bottle of rosé in your cupboard from five years ago, pretty good chance it's not good. Even though it hasn't been opened, it's not going to taste how the winemaker intended it to taste. And it, mm. you know, it might not be that tasty anymore. So mm-hmm. that's one way it can go bad is you, you just left it in the bottle too long and it went past its peak. It, it went over the hill. It's no, no good anymore. The other way is you've opened the wine and oxygen has now come in contact with the wine and you have a limited amount of time to drink this wine before the oxygen kills it and ruins it. Your red wines have about two to three days after you open them. Rosés have around like three to five and white wines have five to seven days. You want to store everything in the refrigerator. You want to put a cork on it or some sort of topper. You can also do fancy things like getting gas, um, certain types of gas that are heavier than oxygen that you can put into the bottle so that there's less oxygen in contact with the wine. You know, there are little things like that you can do, but wine does have a limited amount of time once it's been opened to still be alive before its flavors kind of like <laughs> get little and you don't want to drink it. <laughs> what you said? You said that. I don't, and I don't know if I missed it. Did you go over, like, red wine once you open it? How long until it's opened is it good for? Red wine varies. So you could have a red wine that you should drink this year, or you could have a red wine that you could hold for 50 years. The It's really going to depend on the style of wine and the winemaker's intentions. So I always recommend there's an app you can download called Vivino, V-I-V-I-N-O. It's free to download. You can scan the label right in the store, and it'll bring up all the information about it, what people have scored it, um, how much it sells for, some facts, where it comes from, what grapes it's made with. So it gives you a lot of good information that you can get on the fly. But a good wow. rule of thumb also is if the wine has a screw cap on it, really meant to be consumed young. There are a lot of red wines that also have screw caps on them. Definitely those are one of the ones like you bring it home that night and you drink it. That's the kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of wines that are meant to age for years and years will have a natural cork. The other thing about corks is you can't really tell what kind of cork the wine has when it's in the store. So 
again, just like doing your research, um, asking the people at the wine store, downloading Vivino, scanning it, seeing like, oh, this is a $45 bottle of wine. And there's some notes about it. And, you know, sometimes you'll find reviews and people will be like, oh, age just for 10 more years, you know, and you could, you could know. Um, but at the end of the day, if you open the bottle of wine and it tastes good to you, then it's good. If it doesn't taste good, then dump it down the drain. Do you have any wines in your wine cooler or not or in your wine cellar or whatever that you're saving for a special occasion? I do. I have a few. Um, I have a couple birth year wines. So a birth year wine is just like it sounds like. It's a wine that you buy from the year that you were born. So I was born oh in 91. God. So I have a couple bottles of 1991. I have some from Burgundy and some from California that I'm excited to drink next year or this year. Holy shit. This year on my 30th birthday. So Whoa. that'll be for this year that I'm saving. And then I'm also getting married next year. So I have a couple bottles of champagne that I've been holding on to so that we can drink them um, that whole week. Like I love champagne. That's what I spend my money on is, is champagne. So I have mm-hmm. a ton of it uh, saved for special occasions. What are some of the brands that you have? Oh my God. I have some from Laurent Perrier. They make some really fancy fun ones called Grand Siècle and they have like a blend of three different years they put together to make the champagne and they're really great. So I have some Magnums of those. So Magnum is just a double of the standard size bottle. And then I actually uh, did a, what would we even call it? A auction this year for the Texas ACLU and I bid on a bottle of wine which is a double magnum so it's four bottles of wine in one and I ended up winning that and in turn got to donate a bunch of money to the ACLU of Texas and got this huge bottle of champagne um, that I'm really excited to try and I don't even think I'm so bad I don't even remember the producer um, but <laughs> is that one for your birthday or for your wedding or champagne? So for I your wedding, I think the big bottle will be for the wedding. Maybe it'll be something we pop open at like the rehearsal dinner and everybody mm. can sip on it because it's four bottles of champagne. Like I'm going to need some people to share this with, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I could try to drink by myself, but I don't know how that would turn out. So <laughs> I think accepted. that'll be like a rehearsal dinner one. But again, it's going to be one of those moments where like every time I have that champagne from that moment on now, I'm going to remember that day. And so it's like one of those, you know, you really want to have something special that you can remember. Was there any particular like sentimental reason why those particular brands or they just happened to be born at the right time? Yeah, it was just the 1991 bottles were just bottles from areas of the world that had good vintages. Um, That's the cool Mm -hmm. thing about wine, too, is that every year the vintage is going to be different. One year it could be amazing and the next year it could be complete trash and the wines won't be any good. So you really have to do your research and find where in the world was a 1991 a good vintage. And California mm-hmm. ended up being one of those. So I found a wine from California that I'm excited to try from Hess Collection. And then um, I just took a random shot in the dark on a white burgundy I found, which wasn't a good vintage, but it it could be good. It could not be good. It was just like a fun thing to try out. But there's a great website called WineBid if anybody is interested in finding older bottles of wine and you literally bid on them, bidding ends on Sunday nights and you can get some mm. really cool bottles for less than you would expect. Oof. Yeah, it's um, fun. Steals all your money. It's terrible. It steals all your money. I mean, I would, I feel like we have to get on that. Uh-huh. For sure, for sure. <laughs> would you say that, uh, like, what part of the world produces the best wine? Because you kind of like, you just said 
maybe mm-hmm. is it depend on depend on a couple of different things or would you say it's more it like sounds absolute... like it depends on like what year and what, what year yeah. what was best in that year and i think it comes down to preference too so there are obviously regions in the world that are known for producing high quality amazing wines year after year and that's like burgundy which is in france makes some really amazing wines same with bordeaux same with champagne also napa is known for making amazing wines um you know so it really there are regions that have this reputation for making amazing wines but then it comes down to preference like some people only like American wine. Some people really like French wine. Some people drink everything. And I think if you're in the wine industry, you have to be open to drinking everything because there's so many yeah. new wines coming out. Like even Brazil's making wine, India, China. There are so many different countries that are now producing wine that you really have to be open to trying everything. And that's not saying I don't have preferences. Like I love drinking stuff from Champagne. I love drinking stuff from Beaujolais and from uh, Tuscany. You know, I have preferences but mm-hmm. I think it's hard to say that one country or one region makes better wine because they're all different styles and different grapes which is like the cool thing about it as well yeah love it um can you walk us through like can we like dive into pairing now and <gasps> my forte how does yeah <laughs> how does that all work and What's the craziest wine pairings that you've done? That's what I want to know. What in I, your mind? I feel like we kind. Of, I feel like Chin- leftover Chinese is pretty wild. Yeah, but, but I don't... like in your first of all, wow. Oh, it's attached to your head. Mm. Second of all, <laughs> <laughs> what I I'm so curious what you think your craziest wine pairing is. Oh, that's a hard one. Okay, I'll think about that while we talk about pairing. So like we said before, pairing is subjective, but there are like general rules, right? I'm sure a lot of people have heard that white wine goes with white meat and red meat goes with red wine, that kind of thing. And there mm-hmm. are rules like that that do apply. And basically the way I like to think of it is we want to have harmony at the end of the day. And that's harmony between that bite of food and that sip of wine. And we either get harmony by matching the intensity and the flavors of the wine or by balancing them. And so you kind of got to work and see what you prefer. So sometimes when we have a really dry, light, crisp, citrusy white wine, we don't want to have that with a steak. Like that doesn't sound like it would be a good pairing. We want to pair that with something also light and citrusy and fresh, like a salad with a citrusy vinaigrette or some fresh uh, oysters with lemon or, you know, some shrimp or something like that. That's what we want to pair Mm. it with light and fresh. Um, Mm -hmm. On the flip side, we have a really big red wine. It has a lot of tannins. Uh, Tannins are balanced by fat. So we want to eat something fatty. So like the steak comes into play there. The, um, you know, wherever you find that fattiness from, like I know Lindsay are vegetarian. So like, finding that fatty kind of characteristic will balance out those really big red wines, whether it's like butter or it's a bowl of pasta that has like some fattiness in the noodles, like that's going to be your balance. So those are good kind of things to remember when we're doing wine. And something that's really fun to do if you're like, I really don't know, Chelsea, I have no clue what to do. If you have a few different wines and a few different foods, like you're at a a party, which we are not having parties right now, but if you were (laughs) at an event or like with your family and you had a charcuterie board or some snacks out, try a sip of wine with a bunch of different foods. See what works and see what doesn't work. Do it with multiple different wines and you'll kind of start to learn, oh, I liked this. Like the chocolate went good with here. I really like the prosciutto with this wine. And you can start to kind of remember those things that you enjoyed and work it into a bigger meal. So it's fun though. It's wine and food pairing, you'd be surprised on things that you end up liking and don't like. Yeah. Uh, but I think one of the craziest pairings I've ever done is probably on the the It's Wine O'Clock set. 
I think like the ice cream sundae with wine was like bananas <laughs> because I'm like how like I'm pairing ice cream with wine and pairing things that are really really sweet with wine can be difficult because the mm. sweetness of the food can make the wine taste bitter unless your wine is sweeter than the dessert so it can get a little tricky and so that one was a difficult one I think I did like a Moscato Diasti though or something with it it was pretty good um yeah. and what else I don't even know like I always I mean, think you did so many we did so many weird ones and the ones you might think were weird were a little bit easier like mcdonald's was really easy the leftover chinese food is actually really easy because chinese food goes really well with wine um i think it was more like the sweet things like the cake or the ice creams or the um like lobster roll was easy too that was just really delicious Um, you did or you did oreos you did cookie dough yeah you did um Yes, the ice cream, the sweet the ones. Buns. Yeah, those the are, sweet ones are definitely tough. the harder ones for me to do personally, but they work. And even some ones that could be weirder, like doing like caramel popcorn with uh, mm-hmm. a wine or something, mm-hmm. you know, like something so simple like, like popcorn, that. Popcorn, yeah. Potato chips, you know, you're like, okay, how does this work? I think I did barbecue potato chips with rose once, and it was a really awesome pairing. I was like yeah. not expecting it, but I was like, wait, this works. I like it. What was your that makes me think of like what was your favorite unexpected unsung hero of like wine pairings like what is your favorite you wouldn't think that that's like an amazing pairing yeah so I think what catches most people off guard is when you have something really spicy so say you're mm. eating like a pad kimao from a Thai place or you're mm. eating like uh, General Tso's chicken or something really spicy and to balance the spiciness you actually want to have some sweetness so having a wine like an off dry Riesling which has sugar in it will actually help balance out the spiciness of the dish and give you like this sweet heat kind of vibe to the dish um, and a lot of people are like that sounds disgusting like I don't want to have something sweet with my spicy yeah. food but it really ends up working so if you're listening you're eating something spicy even if it's like <laughs> hot wings or like in Lindsay's case maybe mm-hmm. we're doing like a buffalo cauliflower kind of vibe <laughs> yeah. Pair it with something that has some sugar in it that'll say off dry on the on the label off dry means sugar dry means no sugar um so those will be it'll be really good I promise okay on the opposite end what would be like a totally wrong pairing like it it like makes the wine taste worse than it does yeah that can happen in a ton of different situations but the one that I think is most romanticized and really difficult to do is wine and chocolate together because chocolate actually has tannins in it and tannins are that drying feeling you get on your tongue it's like that texture and you're like why does my tongue feel like sandpaper those are from tannins. They come from the grape. When we crush the grape, there are seeds within the grape. And when we crush them, those seeds break open and release this bitter oil, which then through the winemaking process turns into that texture you feel. And uh-huh. and uh, chocolate actually has that same texture and those same tannins and red wine does. When you have two tannic things together, it's just like really overwhelming and everything tastes like shit. And you're like, this is disgusting. <laughs> so really the key there is to find a wine that doesn't have a lot of tannins something like silky and jammy like a Zinfandel or a Grenache or a Beaujolais. And then you can pair it with a chocolate that has more tannins, like a darker chocolate um, and milk chocolate. So it's it's so romanticized, like Valentine's Day, have wine and chocolate. But yeah. it's like really not good. And it, it doesn't work unless you, you find the right combination. Mm. I feel like this Valentine's Day, I feel like it's totally on brand to do like <laughs> – 
uh, some spicy takeout and a sweet <laughs> wine. Yes, you totally should. Like- we always order sushi for Valentine's Day and we eat it like in our pajamas on the floor. We've never gone out. We always just order sushi mm-hmm. and chill on the floor. And we always get ourselves like a nice Riesling or something, um, yeah. especially because Pete is all into like the spicy tuna rolls. So we always have something <laughs> to out a little bit. But definitely a good idea. And then get yourself one of those big ass expensive boxes of chocolate and heart shaped ones. And then mm-hmm. just enjoy from there. Your off dry wine, your sweet wine will also go nice with the chocolates. So you can just carry it Ew. through the meal. <laughs> I'm down. And then I'm I would love to know what's your what's your absolute favorite wine pairing? Uh p- personally. I mean I'm going to be very cliche here, but it's like a Chianti, which is made out of Sangiovese grape from Tuscany, and like a big-ass bowl of spaghetti and meatballs. Like, that's my oh. jam. It's like so good. The fattiness from the meatball really pa- balances out any tannins or texture you'd find in the Chianti, and it's a Italian wine paired with an Italian dish, Italian-American, mm. if you will, but it is still that same kind of vibe. That tomato red sauce pairs really nice with the red wine and the fattiness from the homemade noodles, and like it's just my favorite thing. Like I could eat it seven out of seven days. It makes me feel good that that, that like lives true, you know? That's, yes. I don't know if I want to call it a stereotype, but like that it's, it's like a cliche, right? Like you see it in the movies. Yeah. Like everyone has a red wine and a bowl of pasta. Like it works and it it's good. Like you think wine and you think Itali- Italia. Italia. Italy. You think Italy. Yeah, yeah. And it's like one of my bucket. Yeah. It's one of my bucket list items to go to Italy because we're, we're a little Italian. Italian. Um, and go to like where we're from and eat pasta and, and wine, wine from there. And like. You have to do it. Now I'm just so excited. I've. Um, <laughs> I've. Thankfully, I've been very lucky um, with the blog. I've gotten to go to multiple different wine regions within Italy and do that exact thing. And it's like something that can't be replicated anywhere else. You know? Is there a specific city in Italy that you would recommend? Like a specific place? Well, if you've never been to Italy, I always recommend going to Florence and popping over to Tuscany and drink all the Sangiovese wines and Chianti <laughs> and, you know, just enjoy yourself. Um, and if you want to try something different, I recently spent time in Sicily, which was fun. Sicily is not really going to give you the pasta vibes, though. It's going to give you, like, seafood vibes. Um, it actually mm. has a very heavy North African influence in Sicily as well. So you get a lot of unique kind of combinations of food. Lots of stuff mm. with chickpeas. It would it would be a vegetarian dream to be there. Um, yeah. And then like Southern Italy. We're Southern Italy descendants. Yes. So. And then Puglia, which is in the boot, uh, the heel of the boot is <laughs> divine. Like the food over there is a lot of Greek influence, but still like lots of pastas. If you're looking for like the red sauces and the meat dishes and stuff like that, that's more of a Northern Italian vibe. But um, Southern Italy is gorgeous and it's like cliffs and, and the cities are all white. Yeah. And the food is delicious and the wine is fresh and the people are kind um so it's 10 out of 10 just go just spend a month in italy just go all over the I, place i just want to bop around just yeah bop all around yeah, i yeah. just saw a like beautiful house in puglia on tiktok and it was like 1.5 million euro and i was like how do i get that much money to go there let's just i'll go in on who's, it who's willing it was <laughs> it was four bedrooms we can just all pool our money and i think okay. we can yes yes i feel like if we Down. get I feel like we can we can make it work with the peach community with the peach community. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll timeshare out one room for the peach community and we will just let them cycle through with their donation. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, sounds, sounds like a dream, yeah. to be honest. Italy is a great country to get wine from. They actually have like over 6,000 different grapes that are native to Italy. So you could like drink mm. wine in Italy forever. Um, and they're like very like kind of big, bold reds. And if that's what you like, they're great. And then you can also get really light um, white wines in the south. And uh, Pinot Grigio is a grape. I feel like it's a really bad rap. But in northern Italy, they make dynamite Pinot Grigios. Um, they call them Pinot Gris in Italy. And mm-hmm. they're super good. Um, and it's just like a fun country. France is obviously more of like an OG place to get wine from, along with Spain. Uh, but wine actually originates from the Middle East, like Israel areas where uh, the OG mm-hmm. winemaking in Georgia. So I don't know if Georgia is over by Russia. And that's actually like the the homelands of grapes and um, where a lot of them have come from in winemaking techniques. And then you know, throughout people taking over whatever, they've spread grapes and techniques um, all over Europe, which then eventually made to the United States, but pretty cool. Wow. Okay, wait, then I have, then my question is, you've been to Napa, yeah? Yes. <laughs> Worth the hype? Question yeah. mark? I mean, Napa's great. If you've never gone, you have to go. Napa, Sonoma, all of the Northern California areas. It's kind of like Disney World for wine people <laughs> within America because there are a lot of great wineries and probably a lot of things that you've tried because a lot of people feel comfortable going for a California wine if they're new into the wine region or wine world, I should say. So you can taste a lot of things in person. And again, the people are great. The food is great. The weather is great. Um, and it's just like a fun thing to do. And it's one. It's obviously the most prominent wine region within America. So if you don't have the opportunity to go fly to Puglia and explore all the, the wine regions mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. Um, you know, Napa is a great place to go. I want to go to the Disney world of wine. Just like get someone to drive you around all day, make some appointments. Mm-hmm. I will say that Napa is like, pretty expensive so it is that is the one downfall because the hype is high Mm -hmm. that you need to make sure that you know tastings can run you like 50 bucks just to get in the door and then you have to you know they encourage you to buy wine while you're there and so it it can add up but Sonoma's a little bit more affordable and there are some other regions in that same area that you could go visit you do you do one day in Napa and you spend a bunch of money and the next day you go to Amador and it's like a fraction of the price or you go to Sonoma or you know there are other things to do. Would you say that um, there is a perfect wine for every meal? Yes, I think there is. I wouldn't say there's one wine that would work for every single thing. But I would say that no matter what you're eating, we could find a wine that would go with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. definitely is possible. Might take a little work. It might not be easy as like I'm eating a steak. So like a cab is going to go great. Like maybe you're eating something a little bit different that, you know, has some different flavors going on. But there would be something that would work with it. Noted. <laughs> and so when it comes to storing your wine, oh, what's the deal? So I, and I feel like, mm-hmm. oh, and so drink, storing and drinking your wine because. That's two different things. I know. So our dad always likes his wine cold, but he chills his oh. red wine. Oh. And we're like, no dad, it's... you're not supposed to chill the red well, wine. Are yeah. we, are we wrong? You're kind of wrong. Kind okay. of. <laughs> I'm just going to say kind of though, because you're not fully wrong. So here's kind of the deal with that is that a lot of people drink their red wines too warm. Red wine should be consumed at what we call room temperature, right? And a lot of people think room temperature literally means the temperature in the room you're sitting in, but room temperature is actually like 60 to 68 degrees. And a lot of people's homes are much warmer than that. So the wine is typically Mm. served too warm. And so 
your fuller bodied red wines, definitely you can pop in the fridge for like 20 minutes. Just bring them down a little bit in temperature if you are, um, if they are too warm to start out with. But if you have like a lighter bodied wine, like if your dad is drinking like a Pinot Noir, they are great to chill down. Uh, they really benefit from being cold. You can have them warm. It changes the flavors. It's like you're drinking two different types of wine. It's really cool to do. So mm. if you do want that chilled red kind of experience, Pinot Noir is great. Gamay, Frappato, um, Pinot Noir. Did I say Pinot Noir? Grenache. Yeah. All great uh, yeah. grapes to kind of get that chill to. Really great in the summer, especially if you want to, if you're one of those, like I drink rosé and white in the summer and I like red wines in the fall and winter. It's like a nice transition wine off of those, you know, in that fall where it's still September and still ends up being like 90 degrees in New York. That kind of vibe mm. works. Um, white wine, we want to have fridge cold, which is like 45 to 50 degrees. It's like really, really cold. That's how we want to serve our white wines and our sparkling wines. Um, our sparkling wines, we actually want to have ice cold. We want them to be as cold as possible because it helps with removing the cork, keeping the bubbles fresh and lively. Um, mm. Yeah. So their temperature does really affect how your wine can taste. So, but you can, you can easily Google um, wine serving temperature charts and whatever, and, and you can get um, an accurate uh, temperatures. You know, I kind of go more yeah, on like yeah, yeah. ice cold, fridge cold, colds, um, to give it more yeah. of like a easier thing to understand. Cause like who's really being like, let me get my thermometer out and make sure my white wine's <laughs> at 50 degrees exactly to serve. You know, yeah. You're pulling it out of the fridge. It's been sitting in the fridge for three hours. You're like, okay, this is fridge colds. Like I can drink this. What are your like thoughts about actually putting ice in wine though? Like, is that like, is that a no go? It's okay. So my thing with um, ice and wine is that if you're going to do it, it needs to be filtered ice cubes. It can't be ice cubes from tap water because tap water does have flavors in it. And as it melts, it's going mm. to melt those flavors into your wine. So mm. UGS filtered ice cubes are the only thing that I will permit. And also like one big ice cube, same vibe, but like you're, ha you have a, a big ice cube in your whiskey. Like you want to have one big ice cube cause it's going to melt slower. So it's going to dilute the wine less quick. That's what dad does. That is what he does. Yeah. He puts yes. one giant ass ice cube one in his drink. One. There are also um, some wines. For sparkling wine, I don't really recommend putting ice in your sparkling. You totally can if you want to. Again, like one big chunk. But the ice will actually like reduce the bubbles a little bit. But some big champagne houses like Veuve Clicquot have created like these um, Veuve Clicquot Riche. It's a, white, it's a sparkling wine that's essentially made to be served over ice. Um, they're a little bit sweeter. They're still bubbly, but they want you to serve them over ice. So some big champagne houses have done that. Um, so that's like my one kind of exception, like meant to be served mm. over ice, but still mm -hmm. use like a good ice cube. We don't want extra flavors going in mm -hmm. there. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a, um, a wild card question. So <laughs> if you were to say there is a, a, a drink or a wine that is – to rep that is here to represent 2021 what would you say the wine is mm, that's a hard one I mean my first I know <laughs> my first instinct is to go to bubbles because bubbles are celebratory and we're all really excited for 2020 to be over so I'm going bubbles vibe but I'm gonna go with a cremant which is made just like champagne is it's made in the uh, traditional method, which is how champagne is made. And it's made in France, but it's not in the champagne region. So we can't call it champagne. So while it might taste like champagne to be made like champagne, we have to call it a cremant instead. And they tend to be a lot less in money. And I think a lot of people lost their jobs last 
last year. It was a really hard year. And so we're recouping financially as well. So we want to have bubbles on a budget. So I think that a, <laughs> a Cremant would be a fantastic wine to have for 2021. So you can still celebrate while still saving money. Um, and hopefully maybe that'll be like a, that's definitely like a part two of 2021, like part one, mm-hmm. I think we're still like in the thick of it. So maybe we're just like drinking tequila for the first half of 2020 <laughs> yeah. and then we'll transition to like our affordable bubblies um, once everyone's been vaccinated and we can do fun things again. Yeah. Fab. I love that answer. <laughs> I love I'm that answer. For tequila always. So. Right. You guys I mean, tequila, so I mean, yeah, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Elon uh, Musk just came out with a tequila that was $250 a bottle and it's shaped like a lightning bolt. The bottle is. Sounds about right. It sold out in like seconds. <laughs> oh my God. How wow. much money someone must have? $200 a bottle and just selling out in seconds? Yeah. Mm. I had a friend who bought six. Whoa. I'm like, what do you do? How- how do you well, know how it takes income to do that yeah oh my God. who are you like, my gosh on tequila right I'm like why I couldn't even afford one you have six <laughs> um well I mean I'm if, if anything I'm jealous so same <laughs> um would you say that there is a common misconception of wine any sort any common misconceptions of wine I think just in general that you like I said before that you need to be smart and sophisticated and have a lot of money to be in the wine world which you don't you mm-hmm. if you only like sweet wines and that's fine too I think there's also a, a misconception that sweet wines are trash and that they're not good and there are a lot of really good high quality sweet wines that are on the market so like my mom she only likes sweet wines and so I find like really good high quality ones that are made from actual grapes and not a bunch of bullshit and chemicals um for her to drink. So I think that that's also a misconception. And I think also something that I just am always on my soapbox about, not really a misconception is like those <laughs> bottom shelf wine brands. So I'm talking like barefoot and yellowtail and oh, yeah. that kind of stuff is that they're literally trash. And <laughs> I know a lot of people are like, well, they're affordable and they come in big sizes and it works for me. But once you know what's in them, I think that you could spend the $2 more and put yourself over that $9.99 limit and you could get something that's 50% better quality um, for those two mm-hmm. extra dollars. So like two bucks chuck falls into that and all of those wines. Because um, you want to know something gross? I'll tell yes. you something gross. Lindsay's never going <laughs> to touch one of them again. Um, because... <laughs> Basically, they use a machine to harvest the grapes for those kind of wines, and they shake the vines, and everything that's chilling in the vines also gets shaked and put onto the mat that goes into the winery. So that includes, like, bugs and birds and rabbits and whatever else, and all Uh. goes into the wineries, and everything gets pressed and crushed and filtered. And then at the end of the day, they have this juice with all of these grapes they got from all over California, typically where they're coming from, all over California, and... They're just like whatever grapes and they have their juice made with insects and and bird guts. Mm. And then they say, okay, let's send it to the lab and let's see how it pairs up to the the last 1,000 bottles we've made of this. And they say, oh, it needs more purple coloring, needs more oak flavor, needs more sugar, needs more tannins. And they can just add all those things in because in the United States – um, I think it's you can add 74 different additives and chemicals to a bottle of wine without listing them on the bottle to <gasps> tell the consumer. So a lot of those bottom shelf bullshit wines that um, are available have a lot of additives in them because they want the first 1,000 bottles to taste like the next to taste like the next. So it's literally like a wine cocktail of 
juice and chemicals. Like the worst um, cocktail. So I really don't recommend drinking them. If you can, if you can put up those extra one, two dollars to get yourself above that, like I think nine ninety nine is really that like kind of price point. Between ten understood. Yeah. Between like ten dollars and, and twenty five dollars is like my everyday drinking price point. Wow. Ugh. Yeah. It's I feel fun. Like I feel like I did a lot of dirty things in college. I mean, there was a so so did I, Um, and I didn't really know. And it wasn't until I read a bunch of books and really started learning about these big wine companies and what they do. And um, I'm not really that much into natural wine, but I have a lot of friends that are into natural wine and work in that realm. And they educate me so much about all of the things that can be added to wines. It's crazy. Well, good to know. That's emotional. No, did I mean. Thank God. I don't feel like we've had any sort of like barefoot or we or haven't yellow had tail wine. In we've a while. like upped our game in the last. We we have. So I I don't. It doesn't feel years, as but... close to home. Like there's none in the house currently. No, but, but I definitely we definitely drink. I mean, we all did, Like who is you know if you don't come from a wine drinking family or a family that's like highly yeah. educated in wine, like how would you know any of these things? Yeah. Um, it's really when you get older and you say okay uh what am I drinking like what am what am I putting into my body and I don't know if it's like living in New York or being so like hyper aware of what we put into our bodies now I'm just Mm -hmm. always like what is in here like what is in this can of LaCroix I'm drinking is it like Mm -hmm. how do they make it taste like lemon pound cake with no calories like what is (laughs) I am so confused so you just like pay more attention to like what is uh what is in those stuff you're drinking yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, we'll definitely be aware for forever. <laughs> yeah. Well. Where are some good places besides your blog and all of your goodies that you would recommend people can go to to learn to get more those, about that information? To learn more about wine. Yeah. So there's an amazing website called Wine Folly, F-O-L-L-Y dot com, Wine Folly. And it's run by a woman named Madeline. And she actually won a James Beard Award, I think, two years ago for her work in the wine industry. And she makes amazing infographs, which if you're a visual learner, it's amazing what her site has and you can mm-hmm. type in anything you want in there and you could learn all about it. If you want to learn about Riesling, she'll tell you all about Riesling and what it tastes like and where it comes from. Um, so it's really in-depth. And she also has a book called Wine Folly. It's called the Magnum Edition. It's like the newest release of it. And it's got a black cover. It's really sexy. And it breaks down like 40 different types of grapes and serving temperatures and pairings and glass shapes and how long wine lasts and it's a really amazing reference book or if you're just learning to get a baseline of wine knowledge and I still reference it all the time because it's uh, a really good book to have so that's a great Mm. one um you can also if you're looking to just like read something like a nonfiction book uh cork dork is a great book to read by (laughs) uh that's a awesome book to just learn more about the wine industry and I think that's I mean that would be like my top my top uh, recommendation for that and uh yeah so it's a re- great website and then obviously instagram is a plethora of information when i started mm-hmm. wine instagramming wine influencing if you will five years ago mm-hmm. i was mm-hmm. literally the first one in the united states to start doing it and oh my god um, yeah yeah right it's crazy there were so many international ones and i was like the first ever wine instagrammer in the u.s and then uh now there are hundreds so dive in search the hashtag wine you'll find so many different places that you can learn about uh i can't guarantee you they'll all be correct but there is a lot of information Mm -hmm. um, on instagram as well to learn from 
Yeah. Well, I think a really great place to go is Chell has her own podcast mm-hmm. called yeah. Is It Babe and Booze or Babe, yeah, Babes and Booze. Babes and Booze. And I, we spent a lot of we we have spent a lot of time listening to it. And I think it's you have a lot of you and your co host are really great. And then you have a lot of really experienced and educated guests that come on. So that's a like a really great place to go if you yeah, want to learn more. It's so fun. And our, our podcast has a range of guests. So if you are coming and you want to learn something about wine, we have so many amazing women in wine. Like we've had CEOs of Champagne Houses on. We've had uh, women who have written books about wine. We have a lot of really cool wine people. But then if you also want to come on and learn about Botox, we have a woman who <laughs> talked to us about Botox. And we had the head of PR for Abercrombie & Fitch. You know, we have other people on and- there as well. But, um, you know, it is it is a wine lifestyle podcast, if you will. So yeah. if you want to come for the wine, just dig through and find the wine people. Um, if you want to learn about uh, random stuff, like I think we had a we had a sex coach on and we had a yeah, yeah. PR people, you know, there's everybody. We like to learn about things, but we like to drink. So we drink and learn about <laughs> I think you do the same thing. I yeah. agree. Yes. You had a sex toy guest on. You did did a boudoir shoot. Like, girl, that's (laughs) You also like to drink and learn things. So we're just trying to live our lives (laughs) (laughs) during this year. Uh, so as we're like winding down with our questions that we have prepared, um, is there anything on the topic of wine that we haven't covered that you'd like to wine in life bring to the forefront? Um, I don't know. I think I covered a lot. I always like get on mm-hmm. my soapbox about certain things like the the bottom shelf wines and that wine is really meant for everybody. So don't feel intimidated. Don't be scared if you're like, I, I don't want to order a glass of wine because I don't want to say it wrong or I don't want to, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know how to say this word or I don't know what this is going to taste mm-hmm. like. People in the wine industry are nicer than you think. They're obviously, I have this saying, it's called pale, stale males. And unfortunately, in the wine industry, we have a lot of pale, stale males, uh, meaning they're old mm. white men who have their minds made up about things. And they're really against new people coming in who have different mindsets and are trying to change things. You know, people mm. are sometimes anti-change and that really is happening in the wine industry right now because there's an old guard of our pale stale males and then there's a lot of new fresh faces coming in that are um, people of color and uh, women and gay men and lesbians and we have all these amazing people that are coming in and trying to like shake shit up and be like just because uh, we're not a white man we doesn't mean we can't drink wine and so it's been a really fun like kind of revolution not revolution but it's been a change and so mm-hmm. it has been met with some uh kickback but I promise you if you go into a, a wine shop and you have a question someone will be happy to answer you because most of us want to help you and educate you and make you feel more comfortable when you're talking about wine and drinking wine because mm-hmm. it's a fun ass beverage it's just like so much fun to do or to drink it has so much personality behind it yeah like you could you could learn about wine for the entirety of your life and still not know everything. And like I've been mm-hmm. studying for five years, and so many days I'm like, do I even know anything about wine? I'm like, I feel like an imposter. I don't know anything. <laughs> um, I have all these certifications, and I'm like, but do I actually know anything? So there's always something new to learn. If you are interested in learning about wine, you can definitely reach out to me. I'm more than happy to give you some resources or uh, tests or anything that you are looking for. I also do fun wine Wednesday quizzes. Did you guys take my wine Wednesday quiz today? Not no. today. It was Not on today. champagne. 
<laughs> oh my god yeah Wait, let's go let's go to it so Chill. i did one today um so every wednesday i'll put a wine wednesday quiz up on a different topic yes. and they get they start out easy and there's five questions and the questions get progressively harder as we move through the the quiz i just do one of them yes. what grape is not used in the production of champagne chardonnay pinot noir cabernet franc, franc and pinot i've never seen this pinot pinot, pinot manure Minier. Minier. Okay, okay, okay. It's not, it's not, not used. Not used. used. Mm, I'm going to go with. What, what you think saying? that one? I don't know. What were you going to say? Maybe. Yeah. Pinot Noir. Pinot Let's go Noir. With Pinot Noir. Ah, wrong. <laughs> Cabernet. Cabernet. Cabernet Franc. Franc. Yeah. Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Minier are the three, the only three grapes that can be used in champagne production. So it's a very. Um, very specific there are lots of laws and regulations in wine as well so champagne very <laughs> regulated only three different grapes and so pinot Minier, pinot pinot noir and pinot Minier are red grapes and chardonnay is a white grape love that and then that. quick we got a lot of questions about like pairing and stuff but one of the specific questions that we got from one of our listeners was best red wine that won't give headaches so that's hard. A lot of people say they get red wine headaches, right? And it can happen from some different kind of things. So some people think it's from sulfites, like sulfites are the, such this enemy, but sulfites occur in so many different things. They occur in meats, they occur in cheeses, they occur in a variety of different things. So when you find a wine that says no sulfites, no headaches or whatever, it just means they haven't added in any more sulfites. Sulfites are always going to occur in a wine. So sometimes people can be really sensitive to sulfites, which could give them a headache. Um, chances are that's not the case because you're eating and consuming so many other things that have sulfites. One thing that really does give people headaches is um, histamines and histamines are a byproduct of fermentation. So if you suffer from allergies, there's a good chance that if you drink a red wine or a white wine, you might end up feeling congested and end up with a headache. And that is from the histamine. So taking mm. an Allegra or something, you know, before you're about to <laughs> drink something non-drowsy, non-drowsy. Like, we're not trying to get like fucked up here. Um, <laughs> just like a no Benadryl, just like a Zyrtec or something, right? And um, <laughs> it could help you with that as well. Uh, some people also think tannins give them headaches. There's so many different things and there has not been something that's been scientifically proven to give you a headache. There's not one thing in red wine that gives people mm. headaches. So everyone is different. Everyone has different reactions to the the wine. Um, so definitely if you think it's allergies, take a Zyrtec. If you <laughs> you know the best way to not get a headache though is to drink water. Dehydration is the main <laughs> is the main thing that's going to give you a headache. So definitely stay hydrated. Um, mm -hmm. and that will that will help. So I can't I can't necessarily give a recommendation, but maybe a lighter bodied red wine might be the trick. Sometimes people think the the tannins give them the headache so try a pinot noir might be a little lighter and, and uh test it out interesting love it, love it. yeah so with all of that said i think we can move into the next segment yeah. we like to do a, a segment called peachy clean and it's <laughs> when <laughs> we would love it if you come up with a story that you would like to come clean about i mean i have some i have some bad ones that are like law breaking like I mean, if you're willing, if you if you're willing, put we that down. Whatever. Like semi-alcohol related too. My dad used to have a 
a car back when I was in, a freshman in college and I came home for break and I went to my friend's house for a party as you do when you come home for like the first break right. of college you're like for sure you're like oh I'm cool I'm an now. adult now exactly. <laughs> and my parents were separated at the time and so my dad just didn't care so I took his car and I went to my friend's house and um, I was there with my freshman year roommate and she had a very she got too drunk it just wasn't working out so I said okay I'll drive us home <laughs> and I was hammered and I hit my dad's car on a basketball hoop and I really oh, fucked no. up and um I tried to fix it with like buffing it out and shit but to this day my dad thinks that my brother who was learning how to parallel park hit his car <laughs> while attempting to parallel park so that is a much better story though yeah, yeah. who doesn't know but this happened this happened almost nine years ago Ten, no oh my god this opened like oh, how old am i this happened like 11 years ago now um well, i think we're well past the statute of limitations yeah i think so too um but i never <laughs> condone drinking and driving ever i was very stupid mm. year old also underage drinking and um mm. but my my dad still to this day thinks it and i think i told my mom and she kept my secret thanks mom yeah right? cool mom right? <laughs> i was i was a rebellious kid though i got put i under love that day my mom's own house arrest all the time i used to steal cigarettes from my dad i was like smoking weed all in my high school oh Love it. i guess another thing i can come clean about i am doing dry yes. january but i'm not doing no substance january so i still have been smoking weed and eating edibles so i'm not, <laughs> as, I'm not as, as clean as i appear to be but i'm doing oh my God. dry january no alcohol but not no substance <laughs> I think that's important to know. Mm-hmm. Little, yeah. little asterisks at the end of so a dry January. <laughs> it's it's dry. It's not like boring January. It's dry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Well, we're def- we're not doing dry January. No. I don't. I've never. I've never been like you. You last in December. You were like, this I'm gonna like limit my drinking. Yeah. And I was and like, that, I don't you get were like, it. You were not supportive. I was. Well, I. I was. I wouldn't <laughs> say I wasn't like, Why supportive. would you do that? I was like, I, was I don't like, get it. I don't though. know. <laughs> I only do it because I, I feel like. Eleven months out of the year, I'm at all these events, and I'm and I'm always being forced to drink. Not forced. I obviously mm-hmm. like it, but it's kind right. of nice to just be like, no, sorry, like I'm not doing <laughs> it. Like, no, it's okay. Um, and I'm reading a book right now called Quit Like a Woman, and I always try to read uh, twenty books a year, and so this is my first book of the year, and it's a book about. Mm-hmm quitting drinking indefinitely and Chrissy Teigen was reading this book and she quit drinking like four weeks ago or something so I just thought it would be an interesting read while doing dry January and it's really funny how people um when you say I'm not drinking what people when you say you're not drinking what you're not drinking means about their drinking um it's really interesting to like see what people think and the whole book is just about how the whole recovery process has really been dedicated to men and white men opposed to like women and people of color and like why women and people of color mm. don't succeed at AA as much as a white man does. And it's because it's, it's a 70 year old, you know, organization that has never been changed and adapted to other people entering recovery. So it's a pretty oh, interesting wow. point. Yeah. Yeah. So a fun, a what's, fun what's little the name of that book? Quit Like a Woman. It's by Holly like Whitaker. Okay. Um, amazing. But yeah, really uh, just an interesting uh, read. If you if you like love the shit out of alcohol, like this probably isn't the book to read for you. But if you want to just like learn something or maybe you're like, maybe I do have a relationship that I don't really love with alcohol, might be a good book to read. Yeah. I feel like just on a psychological level, it would probably be really nice to read. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting to read. Just to see like what um, a quote unquote addict, a non-drinker uh, goes mm-hmm. through and what they think about alcohol, I think is just interesting to like see the other side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Why not? Well, thank you for sharing all of your stories. Yeah. And now you're all peachy clean. So mm-hmm. congratulations. You have privacy. <laughs> I feel like I just got baptized <laughs> in the river. <laughs> I am yes. clean. Yes. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. taking some, carving out some time and chatting with us. Yeah, um, yeah. We'd love it if you could like roll through mm-hmm. all of your all of your goodies and where people can find you, follow you and ask you all about wine and learn all about wine mm-hmm. yes, so i'm at chell loves wine on all social media including tiktok go follow me i love making videos um i'm also at www.chelllovewine.com and then if you want to tune into my podcast it's called babes and booze and we are at babes and booze pod on instagram um and so yeah those, i think those are all my handles and always shoot me a dm i'm always happy to answer questions even if you're like I need a recommendation for my boss and I don't know what to get them. Like hit me up. I'm happy to help. Love it. Okay, peaches. That has been another episode of Let's Talk Peaches, the podcast. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Please give Chell some love and we're going to list all of her goodies in the show notes as always. And while you're giving her some love, feel free to give us some love at Let's Talk underscore peaches, www.letstalkpeaches.com and subscribe to the newsletter, all the goodies. We put out new episodes every Monday and we'll see you next week. Bye, peaches. Bye, peaches. Bye, peaches. Yay. Woo!